Welcome to the Kinky Cast, a sexually explicit podcast. If you are under 18 years of age, stop the podcast now. This is episode 184 of our weekly exploration in the kinky world of BDSM and alternative relationships. Views expressed are not representative of the management of the kinky cast. We welcome guests with opposing viewpoints. Today, we bring you, Mistress, Cyan, on the pro-dom scene in LA. Here's your host, Woody. Thanks, Max, and welcome to another edition of the Kinky Cast. Sitting next to me is the Beast. What do you know, Beast? Hey, Woody. It's a good world. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yeah, well, you know, there it is. And that was me. One of our lovely listeners felt sorry for me and bought me a new microphone. Oh, you can give them my Amazon wish list? Yes, uh, we ought to put that up. We were having microphone problems here for a little bit, and uh, so one of our very generous listeners said that they would help us out and get a new microphone, and so now I hopefully my voice is clearer and it doesn't have any of the beast leaking into it. <clears throat> I am everywhere. I'm everywhere. You're omnipresent. Yeah, and uh, it's quite a phallic microphone, too. It is, and mine's longer than yours. Uh, all right, Kim. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we hear a giggle in the background, and so that is our guest for tonight. Mr. Cyan, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Very well. You're uh, out on the left coast in the lovely city of Los Angeles? That we are. And so you've been at this a while. Yeah, um, probably, gosh, start losing count. It's been about 25 years. 25 years. That's long enough to know better. Yes, but we're all still learning. <laughs> In Los Angeles, you have a club that you uh, base out of. We're here at uh, Sanctuary, LAX, Sanctuary Studios. We're located right near uh, Los Angeles International Airport, roughly about five minutes away on uh, La Cienega, right off the Century. Very uh, convenient place to fly in and get flogged. Yes, and we have a number of people that do that or stop in on their way to the airport. Yeah, they have a little bit of fun before they have to go submit to TSA. Oh, oh yes. yeah. But do you ever have to take a chastity device off and hold it for safekeeping? <laughs> we haven't done that yet, but don't give me ideas. <laughs> well, I, I had a club once, and we've had to cut handcuffs off and collars and all sorts of fun things for our unfortunate uh, visitors. So It's a dirty job, but somebody has somebody to do it. Somebody's got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's some interesting trips through the airport when traveling with all the gear. <laughs> Guys, when they have the, the metal cock cages on, those are always fun at TSA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially when they go through the little um, what is it, little scanner now. Yeah. That they, they have to raise their hands or something like that. There's nothing hiding. I imagine that uh, with the uh, that scanner now, even the uh, the plastic cages would show some shape that things are compressed into. I would think so. Yeah. I want to see the video. I, I want to see I the video. You yeah, yeah, yeah. You're such a pervert. You were not born, Mr. Cyan. So how was Mr. Cyan birth? When I was about seven years old, I started having, I mean, I enjoyed playing with rope and, and restraints and stuff like that, playing with the other kids, you know, either getting tied up or tying somebody up. And, you know, at that age, I didn't know it meant anything other than it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was something really attracted to. And when I grew up, there was a show on television called uh, Batman. 
and it was always a two-part series. And at the end of part one, they'd always be in some kind of predicament, some kind of predicament bondage or something. I always thought that was really exciting. Uh, that and Catwoman were the two favorite parts. Yeah, it was amazing how how the villains never would just shoot Batman. They had to come up with this very elaborate way to 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 off them. Yes, and you know, and it would be very exciting as far as, uh, and it would always be a different predicament, but they'd always be in some kind of restraints or some kind of predicament. So I thought that was uh, very interesting, and you know, little did I know that um, that there was probably more to it than what I realized. So you found that somewhat appealing, I guess. Yes, and it was actually it was very erotic too. At that age, you know, um, I was you know just getting ready to enter teens, so I started having some feelings. Realized, oh, some things happening here, you know. So I just thought it was you know a little weird. At that time, there wasn't really any internet or anything like that. So if you go look to the library, all you saw was anything about you know kink or anything like that was all a, a mental illness and stuff. So you know, it's kind of something you don't want to kind of look at until uh later years i discovered a magazine called variations yes oh my god all of a sudden i'm seeing these stories in here and it's like oh hey there's other people doing this stuff too yeah, they're talking about me here yeah it was something that i really uh kind of tuned into about maybe there's more to it and uh i uh was in at the the speed i had a little bit i got out of college and i was uh working as uh in the corporate world as a director of operations for a three and a half billion dollar corporation and decided to go into this adult bookstore. And I stumbled across this magazine and got all these ads in it and I got it. And it was one of these things that you, to answer the ad, you wrote the letter and you put it in an envelope with the, with the code number and you put it in another envelope to send to the publisher and then they would forward it. So you're talking about a couple of weeks back and forth if you were months. lucky it was a couple of weeks mine took mine took months yeah but you oh, were out in the middle of nowhere yeah i might have written you you never know sorry i didn't get back to you know <laughs> <laughs> i kind of discovered that there was a, a little bit of a community out there and again it was during a time with no internet or anything so it wasn't the access wasn't like it was today um, it's, so the opportunity to get educated on it was very minute. You had to uh, pretty much be vetted to get into it. But I did make a connection with a few people and corresponded on um, email. I mean, not on email, uh, through regular snail mail and on phone and eventually got invited to a birthday party. And I went to this woman's birthday party and she um, explained to me a little later on when I didn't see anybody around that they went to the playroom. So they escorted me out to the garage, which was all soundproof. And when I walked in, it was like, oh, my God. You were in Nirvana. Yes. And my first impression was, oh, my God, I got to get out of here because <laughs> it gets busted. And they explained to me about being consensual and everything. And I watched a little bit of the scene. And, and what looked like a really abusive scene turned out to be very when she was finished, there was a warm embrace and aftercare, and it made me kind of open my eyes. Because up until that point, bondage had been my interest. Any kind of S and M type of stuff was like had no idea, no inclination, no interest. So that kind of opened my eyes to some things, and I met more people, and kind of got taken under their wing. And I've pretty much been dominant my whole life, but coming into the leather community, it was something that you. You start at the bottom, and uh, I eventually got talked into allowing them to do birthday spanking, which I didn't want to do, but it turned out to be really erotic. It was enough kind of 
stingy enough to feel, but not stingy enough to say stop. And it started realizing there's more to this than I thought. So I delved a little bit more into it, and I thought that I was maybe finding my yin-yang in life, my balance, and I was actually a submissive. So for the first four years of being in it, I was on the submissive side in the lifestyle, collar and everything else. And until one night, my master wanted to go to a party and suggested that we switch. And I thought, oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, talk about dumping in the deep end. I don't want to do this. But I did, and it lit a spark. It was like, oh, my God, the top space is really where I belong. The, top, the bottom space was that euphoric feel of just feeling like walking on air for two days. But that top space was like an adrenaline rush. And I totally identified it. And everything changed literally overnight. He was no longer my master. We took the collar on. And this was like 21 years ago. And, or 22 years ago. And since then, I've been topping him whenever we play. <laughs> I've never bought him to him again. Welcome to the community. Well, thank you. It was something that when you read about things, and it's kind of what set me on later on in uh, in my life here about getting doing DomCon, doing some things that were educational to explain to people really what it's about because it was very shocking to me when I first saw it. Uh, and now I do classes or I'm a guest speaker at like UCLA and Stanford University, Cal State Northridge, Long Beach State, and so on. And I go into sociology classes and discuss what BDSM is and what it's not. I commend you for that. We need somebody in every college in the country just building the myths and the erroneous uh, conceptions. Yes. And you know what's exciting about it? Most of all, it's not just the human sexuality classes that are doing it. I've got students in there that are going into being social workers or intake counselors. And they'll ask me a question like, well, if I'm working as an intake for uh, at a hospital and somebody comes in all bruised up, how do I know it's not abuse? And uh, I explain to them, so maybe some of the uh, something you can say to them is, "Oh, have a heavy scene." And if they are in BDSM, they're going to know what you mean, and they're going to know that lingo, so to speak. But if they're not, they're going to give that deer in the headlight books and give you an idea that there's probably something that's a little bit abusive to it. But the fact that they're educating people to start exploring and learning what the difference is, is, is very exciting to me. I, um, I think uh, the education is one of the most important things that we can offer in our lifestyle. It is indeed. Uh, I started offering a class to social workers back in the late 90s. And the same thing, these were people going in the field, and we went to prepare them to make intelligent decisions and not knee-jerk reactions based on... Uh, misconceptions that they had mm -hmm. and being a professional too here like at sanctuary i've carried that same thing we have quite a lot of classes and workshops and stuff here and we're totally transparent one of the things that i've done in for the last 20 years is done a, a slave auction every november and december to collect food for the homeless and the needy and we donate that then showing people that you know our lifestyle is not a bunch of crazies or things that are portrayed many times in the media. You're in the club business now, obviously. You're holding a, master's, uh, a slave auction and so forth. How did you make the transition into the club business? I started playing at some of the parties after I um, got into it. And I had someone who, con who um, approached me and said, would you, I'm opening up a little dungeon in Glendale. 
uh, up here in the valley. And would you be interested in uh, working with me on it and being one of the mistresses? Yes, that sounds exciting. I started doing I was in the music business. I transitioned from the corporate world into the music business. I was promoting shows down in Hollywood on Sunset Strip and publishing a music magazine. So I thought, well, this is great. I'm not tied to a schedule. So we had a little um, three-level townhouse in Glendale that we didn't live at. It was all dungeon. And the owners of the property, uh, we told them we did erotic photography and stuff. So they were okay <laughs> with it. And um, we started you know, doing professional sessions out of there. And unfortunately, uh, the owners sold the property and the new owners came in for a tour. And when they came to the, the oh townhouse my. we oh had, <laughs> it was a surprise they didn't want to see. Let's put it that way. And they told us they were not going to renew our lease. So at that point, I um, went and started working with someone else at their space in West Hollywood for a couple of months before Mrs. Omega contacted me about a dungeon she was opening up in the valley and if i wanted to be a partner with her and one other person so we opened that up and that was up in Reseda. and um eventually through attrition i ended up taking over the whole thing and i was sanctuary up in uh in Reseda from 1999 through uh 2011 and we were doing our professional sessions there and i was and i was doing weekend parties play parties there. It was this 3,000-foot dungeon. It wasn't real big. Actually, it was a little bit smaller than that. Um, so we had some nice little intimate you know, play parties there. When we started here in our current location, we moved into it and started our first event in May 2011. And with this is 7,000 feet. We're the largest dungeon in Los Angeles. And then actually, I think the largest professional working dungeon in the country. Uh, we started, I had the flexibility I've got a staff of almost 40 DOM subs and switches here. We're open seven days a week. We do classes and workshops almost every night. We've got parties every Thursday, Friday, Saturday night. Um, And it just gave me an opportunity to really expand out. We're very careful here not to cross any legal lines. So the sheriffs will bring new officers over for tours. The fire department knows, our landlord knows, our neighbors know. So it's nice to be very transparent and be in a city like Los Angeles where we can have one. I've been to places in this country where it's still so undercover and, and taboo that it has to be, you know, nobody can go someplace unless you get to be known and get the address when you register and things like that. But we got regular clients walk through the door every day. Hey, who do you got a date for today? <laughs> Caesar's going to gonna get his pound and we just got to follow the rules and the laws. And, mm-hmm. that's, and that's all. And, and honestly, most of the time they really don't care. No, they don't. If we're paying our taxes and we're uh, set up in the proper location, that's the only thing they worry about. Yes, and you know, and location is important. I mean, obviously, see where we're located. We're in um, Los Angeles County. Across the street is Los Angeles city limit. So actually, we're we're under the jurisdiction of the sheriff, not the LAPD. And the sheriffs are you know so much nicer and you know better to deal with in the LAPD. So, you know, if we were across the street, it may make it a little bit, maybe, who knows, maybe we get harassed or something. But right now, we're in a spot where we do, we're supposed to do, we don't cross any lines, we're respectful of our neighbors, um, we handle it like a business, you know, we're still courteous to all our attendees and the people who come in the sessions. And like I've been told, when I first started things, people told me, well, you know, it's against the law to, to hit somebody. You know, technically, with domestic violence laws, you can be arrested for spanking somebody or flogging somebody. 
you know, so I talked to an attorney and he said, that's actually true because you do not have the right to consent to an assault. But the difference is that dude, it won't, if you're not breaking any laws as far as like prostitution, you're pretty safe because it, even though you could t- technically be arrested for hitting somebody, it won't be prosecuted because the district attorney will never take on a case like that because that's when consent comes into it. He doesn't want to take a a case into court unless there's some politics involved. And uh, he just doesn't want to take that. But you don't want to be arrested either. Right, right. Well, they down here, they're very understanding. of. They know the difference between it. Plus, they know, right, you know, L.A. is a big place. They've got a lot to keep them busy. And... And they're not going to waste their time. Yeah. Well, you got the Kardashians. You have yeah. the Kardashians. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. That keeps everybody. Now, you have this club, and it sounds fabulous. And I wish I had a trip to Los Angeles on, on my agenda. Yeah, road trip. A road trip. Road trip. May. May. For DomCon in May. <laughs> okay. Let's put that on the calendar. Uh, and, and I know you you protect your confidentiality of your client's very yes. carefully. We all do. But what is the demographic? Is this all the freaks? and or, or are these people that you see in the grocery store buying canned goods and dog food? The people who get in here as clients are the people right next door who are probably standing next to you in line, working with you, people you see on television, people you see in a courtroom, people whose music you listen to on the radio. We've got a whole range of that, okay? Ages, anything from, you know, 20, 25 years old up to 70. It's There is no just little firm niche that if you're, uh, if you have a certain profession, you're probably not into this. We see, we see lawyers, we see judges, we see musicians, we see actors, we, we see everyday common people and couples. Do the preachers ever admit that they're preachers? Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we had a rabbi come in one time that just wanted to just be flogged as hard as we could flog him, you know, so he, and he could do his thing, you know, for, I don't know, having bad thoughts or something. <laughs> it's really a cross-section of the of the general population that comes through your doors to either learn or to get the rocks off. Yes, yeah. I mean, we got, we've got people who are exploring, thanks to the Internet and movies like Fifty Shades, which... So it opens up an interest. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And uh, so people coming in or couples coming in to explore, you know, or or learn a little bit more. We get a lot of couples who are into it, but they want to learn how to do it safely. And we have a lot of BSM 101 classes and things as well. And the feedback from the couples, what I'm hearing is that they're found that their marriage is more solid and the communication is better after they open up to BDSM exploration than before. Oh, yeah. It's like, and then, like I've had some of them say, oh, this is like going to Disneyland. And we actually have a room here in the dungeon um, named Prometheus. And that room has a big king bed in it and it's got dungeon furniture in it. And we've got a lot of people that come rent overnight to play because they're in a situation where maybe they've got roommates or they've got kids so they can't play at home. So they'll come over here and they'll rent overnight so they can spend the night in the dungeon and have play and able to do whatever they want to do it's a great service yeah absolutely but tell me you do not have a room with mickey painted on the wall not yet (laughs) yeah we were thinking about yeah fantasy land thinking hey maybe a haunted mansion type of theme room would be cool there you go i know more than a few women that a johnny depp room would 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 go over very very well oh yeah 
What's the future looking looking like? Right now, we're uh, currently expanding into doing, uh, getting ready to go into doing live webcam. Oh, wow. Sessions and stuff like that for scenes and sessions. And we're also, we're in the content of shooting content to start, you know, doing some video downloads and things like that. Because we have a lot of clients actually that come from uh, other states or other countries. And it, having the videos, some of the girls and, um, that they play with that they can access on to watch or that they can connect up through webcam, they're pretty excited about. And then obviously with DomCon, which is, uh, we'll be entering in 2018, it'll be our 15th year. Well, we do that every uh, May in Los Angeles and in October in New Orleans. And those are major events for people that haven't attended them. It's a it's a must must do stop on your kink career. We got doms come that come from all over the world, from um, England, from Australia, from Belgium, from Japan. Everything coming. Um, it's the largest professional and lifestyle domination convention in the world. It's a five day event in uh, May and a four day event down in New Orleans in uh, this October. Fun stuff. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm booked in October already. There you go. I know. May, May next year. Ah, yes, yes. The Hilton LAX is where we hold it right around the corner, and we do our our play parties here at Sanctuary. We have shuttles that run back and forth from the hotel to the dungeon. (laughs) Full service. Full service, yes. Tell me about how much leather uh, do you see in their leather lifestyle? Quite a bit. LA's got a really active leather community. Um, for a number of years, I was uh, on the board for the Los Angeles Leather Coalition, and I've been very active, and I've received a number of um, accolades from them, Mentor of the Year, and Fundraiser of the Year twice, and the Pantheon of Leather, which is an international award, I've won uh, Women of the Year twice. We do a lot of fundraisers. The leather community were very active in supporting the, the leather events, and Sanctuary was actually one uh the first feeder contest for them uh to put someone into the Mr. Saint Mr. Los Angeles leather contest. It, that's comprised of a lot of uh the LA leather bars and the leather shops and the motorcycle clubs and the um uniform clubs and things like that that were pretty much all gay leather. And Sanctuary started uh as a member of the LA Leather Coalition, we started having a uh contestant back in two thousand seven. And we are still the only pansexual organization and dungeon-based business with a leather title holder that competes for Miss Jolly Leather. And starting back three years ago, we started a Miss Sanctuary Leather Contest. And we've been very fortunate that the last two Miss LA Leather Contest winners have been Sanctuary title holders. Congratulations. Are you finding that the blend between the leather community and the pansexual BDSM community. How's that blending going? Is it smooth or is there some roughness or how's that working? There's some roughness. And, and I think there's because there's still a little bit of a, I say a learning curve, so to speak. You know, uh, the gay leather scene and the heterosexual BDSM scene have some similarities, but they also have a lot of differences. You know, the, the gay leather men are more into the, the sex uh, end of things, you know, the, the BDSM, the play is a little bit more what leads up to the sex aspect of things. Where in the head community, it seems like the sex 
is not the primary focus of the play. The primary focus is getting into that subspace or that top space. It's the scene itself. Okay, and the sex, if there's any of it, it happens to be the kind of the icing on the cake instead of the main course. Uh, I think those are the two biggest things that I see. What about the pansexual uh, leather community? Is there such a thing in Los Angeles or is it mostly gay leather still? No, no, there's a big, big pan uh, community. Um, And there is some acceptance, but there is still a little little bit of a, a kickback. I mean, We've got people and some people in the leather community that are want to keep the traditional things going on, stick with tradition and stuff like that about it being more of a uh, a gay leather type of thing. And it's, if you're not gay, it's, you can't really be leather and so on. But there's been a huge movement over the past years is to an understanding that leather is not about the type of play. It's not about what you're wearing. It's about the way you live your life. You know, trust, honor, respect is the leather creed. And you don't have to be... You know, only gay. You can be what you can be gay, leather. You can be trans. You can be heterosexual, pansexual, bisexual, whatever. It's how you live your life. It's about ethics and morality and stuff. So, then, with that concept, it's starting to kind of bring the community a little bit closer together because they're starting to see the commonality rather than the differences. It'd be great when we all can get along better. Yes, yeah, but we're we're getting there. We're getting there. I've seen quite an improvement over the years and quite a bit more acceptance and stuff. And the internet in some ways has helped, but again, that's a double-edged sword. You know, you don't no longer need to be vetted. So unfortunately our community now is like any other community. You're going to find the real good and you're going to find the people maybe that are not so good or use the internet to, you know, for purposes other than what might be positive intentions. I have a personal question. Are you of the school that leather should be gifted or you can purchase your own leather? I believe it should be earned. And earned could be either given to you or purchased. I once had, I was at Rocky Mountain um, Leather a couple of years ago and there was a discussion about that. And somebody asked a question about what if somebody buys their own cover? Okay. Are they. Uh, and that's you know, always that's, a hot button topic there for sure. Oh, it was. And there was a lot of debate. But following all the general consensus was that, you know, if you earned it and you've been around for a long time and you've done it and just because somebody hasn't given it to you doesn't mean that you haven't earned it. Okay. Uh, so I actually I was really surprised because uh, Salt Lake City's got a huge leather community that's very, very uh, tight, uh, very regimented, very uh, traditional. You know, so they have it come out of there that they thought it was acceptable to take in you know, actually purchase your own. But tradition-wise, you, I think it means a lot more for someone to cover you or to earn your, your vests or earn your leathers than to just go out and buy them. Uh, I think that's, that is uh, the, the thought process I'm hearing forming around the country right now. So just checking in. Thank you. Can you tell me how the different age groups meld together, the newbies versus the longtime players? Overall, pretty well. I mean, you still got, like I said, we still got a fraction of people who feel that, you know, this is the way it's supposed to be done. This is traditional. But it's starting to shift, I believe, uh, to understanding that the leather community for right now isn't only now 
led by leather. I mean, they're actually embracing like the rubber community, you know, the uh, latex and things like that, that you don't have to be leather. That more, they're, they're embracing the, the fetish kink aspect of things into the leather community now, and it's becoming a little bit more acceptable. Uh, I've seen a trend over the last four or five years where uh, now, you know, you've got Mr. Rubber or so-and-so title holders that are accepted into the leather community when maybe five years ago it wasn't. They felt that that wasn't really leather. So I think it is moving more towards the lifestyle aspect of what's inside, what's in your heart, and whether you're young or whether you're old. And just like when people start talking experience, somebody can say they've been in it for 20 years, but if they played one day a month for 20 years, does that mean they're more experienced than somebody who's been in it for two years but plays five times a week? Well, that's certainly the question. And the people who have been in it for a long time think that they deserve something just for longevity, too. Yeah, and and, and they do. And I, and I believe that they they do deserve a little bit more in the order of respect. Okay, they've been around, they've paid the grade, they've lived it, they've got a lot of uh, information and knowledge. But on the other hand, you know, I I have no problem confronting old guard or something, saying, you know, times are changing. And that just because it's the way things were doesn't mean it's going to be the, thing, the way they are or will be. Okay, we're constantly evolving, we're, we're growing, we're embracing uh, acceptance a little bit more. 30 years ago, 40 years ago, we didn't have uh, acceptance of the gay community. Okay, things change. We preach acceptance. We want to be accepted. We don't want to be out there. But of course, I've also seen people who enjoy the BDSM aspect of things being the outlaw part of it, the, the non-acceptable part, you know, not the fitting in the society part that, that doesn't want to see mainstream acceptance, so to speak. The taboo nature is the thrill for them. Mistress Anne, uh, this has been a fascinating conversation. Absolutely, yes. Well, I appreciate you having me on. Thank you very much. We may very well be hitting you up again to find out what's going on and to talk further about DomCon in the future. Yes, as that starts to get closer, let's certainly do some promotion on that. Okay, great. I'll send you some information. Uh, the uh, New Orleans show, is, uh, we're in the French Quarter at the uh, Crown Plaza on October 5 through 8 of this year. Oh, that's actually during my break. Oh, now the wheels are turning. Oh, yes, they are turning. All things are possible now. Oh, well, you know what? If you are available, let me know. We'd be honored to have you there. You can come down and introduce some of the dogs. Goddess Cleo from uh, Great Britain is going to be there. Oh, oh, yeah. Yes, well, a road trip. Uh, yes, I am. I pull up MapQuest now. We're only in Nashville. Yeah, it's just down the road. Yeah, so, so it's just down Mississippi a little bit. There you go. I'm originally from New Orleans, so for me, it's like going home. <laughs> oh, it is. All these uh, things that we've talked about will be on your show page, and uh, the links for DomCon and everything else will be there for anybody that wants to get caught up with the whole big party going on. Wonderful. Once again, it was an honor being on the podcast, and I appreciate it. And I want to talk again sometime. I'd love to. All right. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. You have been listening to episode 184 of the Kinky Cast. For more information about this show, go to kinkycast.com. The Kinky Cast is a production of Rooster in the Round. On behalf of all our Kinky crew, I'm Max. See you next week when we visit with Alice Toy on consent violations and personal responsibility.